0: Good morning everyone this is Jeff from the Cyber Pro podcast back with a very interesting topic today. Uh, I've got Kyle Dresley from BAE with us today and as you can tell I'm not in my studio I'm in Las Vegas. So we're going to keep this short because everybody wants to have fun today and with that Kyle good morning. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Hey, Jeff. I'm glad you're in Las Vegas. I'm in beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia in my cabin, uh, where I stay away from all things modern, even though I'm a cybersecurity Um, Yeah, uh, I'm a cybersecurity director and solutions architect at BAE Systems. Uh, we used to be called British Aerospace. We're the third largest defense company in the world. Uh, so what I do is I develop architect, engineer, and operate systems and solutions that tackle some of the most critical cybersecurity needs across the defense departments of the world, national security sectors, and also, you know, what affects other government sectors as far as, like, federal civilian. So, you know, uh, in America, you would think, like, Department of Treasury or... Uh, Maybe Department of Agriculture, something that isn't necessarily James Bondy or, you know, more kind of uh, coming out of the Pentagon. But, uh, yeah, I get to work on the super sexy stuff, um, both defensive and offensive, um, and all the things that kind of feed into that. Uh, Before I got into this, I was an intelligence officer in the Army for many years, so I'm all tatted up and whatnot. Uh, But, uh, yeah, no, um, it's been a fun journey and um, looking forward to what's coming down the pipeline here in the future, especially after all the different changes we're seeing coming down from that big executive order that the White House put out in May. It's definitely a paradigm shift for cyber, not only within the government sector, but all the trickle down that's going to be happening from the government into more commercial and civilian sectors
0: because of those changes. Yeah, you bring up a very good and We could do a whole podcast about what happened in May. But let's talk about your work. Uh, You're at BAE. You've been there for a number of years. And uh, we're going to get into the question of how AI could potentially play a role in uh, SecOps in the future. But let's talk about uh, where you are today and what your viewpoint looks like and what you see coming down the pipe, as you said, in your world in the next couple of years? Yeah, so in my
1: world, we're getting a lot of chatter from my good friends and colleagues out of Fort Meade, as well as those coming out of Homeland Security about a lot of good, prudent, and needed changes within sort of how the United States does cyber and how we interact with our partners. So, you know, everyone's heard about the the Five Eye Intelligence Partnership. That's going to be buttressed up. There's going to be a lot more sort of uh, information sharing and collaboration to kind of buttress up cyber defenses. Um, You know, kind of all the old sacred cows that we'd had in the past that everyone knew weren't great ideas, but we kept them around anyway because it was too much of a hassle to change them. Those sacred cows are going to slaughter. And I couldn't be happier because I've been a cheerleader for a lot of that for years now. Um, You know, we're kind of breaking out of silos. Um, You're seeing more interaction, not only from the government agencies with each other, but as well as with the government agencies with industry writ large. You're seeing that with like what Jenny Sterling's done at DHS CISA, bringing up the JCDC program that Microsoft and Google and others have been participating in. She's expanding that out to CISA Global to where we can kind of help strengthen cyber defenses around the world for our partner states, not only from the government aspect, but also from the civilian. So very exciting times coming out of the government sector. Lots of work to be done, but it's good, honest work. And I, for one, am happy to be grabbing a shovel
0: and doing my part today. Fantastic. I'm going to, before we got started on the actual reporting, you said a, a phrase that really resonated. And you talked about a collaboration of the willing and how we as nation states have to do a better job of taking the technology that's coming up and emerging and sharing that data amongst those of us who are willing in order to act as a team to protect each other collectively. So with that I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to give you give us your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah. So um, as we were chatting here before and you were telling me about how lovely the weather is in Vegas as I'm freezing my butt off here in the mountains of Virginia. Um, Yeah. So we're looking at sort of this collaboration of the willing, you know, traditionally, especially in governments, you know, we've always done for the most part, you know, you know, uh, need to know, least privilege, all those things that are very important in security. But when you extend those into areas where it's unnecessary, you end up becoming a hindrance to your own security posture. So what we've seen is over the last several, you know, honestly, over the last two decades, that that sort of security in a silo doesn't really make you any more secure. You know, lessons that we've learned from the ISAC communities, from some other cyber uh, communities out there, that ISC, RSA, that they all sort of sponsor. The more that you can collaborate within market verticals, the more stronger you will become across the horizontal. So the government's beginning to learn that more from the commercial side. Um, and they're discovering that what we can do is, you know, if, if the Canadians have some great playbooks about how to defend against Russian APTs, right? They, they need to share those playbooks out and make them to where their standard operating procedure, and we can then push those out to others. Sharing best practices, sharing what we're seeing on our own networks. If we have something that, you know, was a vulnerability within our own network, not being quiet about it, coming out and going, hey, we had something that was a weakness, this is how it got exploited, but this is how we fixed it, and here's how we put controls in place to make it better. You know, and being able to sort of leverage the collective for a defense as opposed to everyone in it for themselves. Because, you know, the adversary is sharing intelligence with each other. They're sharing exploitables. They're sharing back and forth. We need to start doing the same. And I think the more we can do that, the more resilient, I, I'd never say secure, because if it's plugged into the wall, it's not secure but the more resilient we can become on the white hat side.
0: Yeah, we've heard so many iterations of the same comment where, you know, the bad guys are are communicating a lot more between themselves than we are on the defensive side because they're trying to get in. And if one person gets in, they all get in and yep. they all get what they need. And that's something that's got, that's a cultural change. I it think is. that we need to do. It's it's a bit of pride and it's a bit of hubris. And I
1: think that after having our lunch money taken from us so many times, I mean, hell, you put the news on any day now, you hear about some new cyber attack or, you know, X company got infiltrated again and now we're having a giant data breach. I, I think the pride and hubris is gone. Um, I think we all know that we're vulnerable in different ways, but if we can sort of bolster our defenses together. And doing it through sort of these formalized structures and frameworks that nation states can actually put together and sponsor, you know, that that's going to be the wave of the future. And that's going to be something that I'm seeing is will make a difference. Um, you yeah. Know, I, I mean, threat intelligence, even a couple of years ago, was something where I got my I mean my background was in intel it wasn't in IT and my IT guys would scratch their head and just kind of go it's okay I did a checklist we're good and I'm like mm, no that's not going to work but you know I think we're we're realizing that that it to truly do security operations they have to be threat intel informed and then yeah. you do you know your due diligence yeah,
0: let's wrap this up because we could talk about this for a long time. and I, yeah, I mean, a this, this, we can make this a 90-minute podcast, but let's do
1: that another day. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, for those of you who want to learn a little bit more about you, Kyle, a little bit more about what you do over at BAE, what is the best way to get a hold of you? All right. So for me personally, you can look me up
1: on LinkedIn. It's Kyle Drazy. My name's on here. Again, that's Drazy. It's crazy with a D. Um, if you want to learn more about BAE Systems, go to baesystems.com. Like I said, we're the third largest defense and aerospace company on the world. I've got almost 100,000 employees on seven continents, and I've got solutions on two planets. We do some things for the Mars rover around sensors. Um, So, yeah, look us up there. See all the cool things we're doing. Look us up on LinkedIn. We're always hiring really good, honest, hardworking people that are looking to be trusted, innovative, and bold with the kind of solutions they're putting together. So if you're one of those people, hit me up, and
0: I'll hook you up. Fantastic. I'm not sure that Martians could find anything of value in our systems. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, my friend, I'm going to say goodbye. I'm going to do something I don't normally do because you brought it up. So I'm going to show it to you. Boom. There's Vegas. Nice. You can see that. (laughs) And I'm going to say goodbye from the Cyber Pro Podcast. Again, my name is Jeff. Thank you for your time, Kyle. We'll see you again soon.
1: Thanks, Jeff.